Greece at midnight last night. They have a service, lasts for three hours from 11 o'clock at night till two in the morning. And at midnight, the, the priests come out with a light which has come all the way from Jerusalem, from the temple, and they light everybody's candles at midnight. And fireworks go off and they celebrate. How they know Jesus rose at midnight, I don't know. But that's what they do. That's how they celebrate. Um, Peter Houston sent a greeting to us yesterday about seven o'clock in the evening saying Christ is risen. And I thought, yeah, maybe in Australia, but not in England yet. <laughs> Isn't it funny how the, the Orthodox, they're going to be celebrating Easter next Sunday. And I wonder if that confuses God, thinking, now, which Sunday was it again? Let me just check again. Somehow we, we, we've turned it into sort of a religion and, and we worry about dates and, and things. It's, it's Easter every day. Christ is risen in us every day. But I was reading the story of uh, resurrection in Luke chapter 24. And let's just read it together. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. In fact, there were some people who say he actually said, Kerete, which is Greek for rejoice. Um, they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he'd said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. He took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. The disciples just didn't get it, did they? Three years with him, and they couldn't understand what was going to happen. And they thought they saw a ghost. And isn't it, he's, he says, I'm flesh and bone. Touch me and see. Touch my body. I'm hungry. Give me something to eat. And he ate with them. And he showed them his hands and feet. I wonder if his face was still bloodied and, and scarred and, and bruised from the beatings he took from the Romans and the crown on his head. I wonder. But he was flesh and bones. He was real. He was not a spirit. He said, I'm not a ghost. I'm real. Touch me and see. Interesting about Luke's gospel is... Um, he starts off the resurrection with the women going to the, the tomb. And, and I thought to myself, why should he do that? Why does he mention the women first? Because they were seen as second-class citizens. Their testimony was not valid in court, either in Roman or Jewish court. In other words, whatever they said wouldn't be believed. And, and I find that. Trish says to me, the remote's not working. What do I do? I go and pick up the remote and try it. She just told me it's not working, but there's something me doesn't believe. I've got to find out for myself. Any other, any other folks like that? Somebody says, 
the washing machine is broken, so you go and you start pushing the buttons as if somehow your thing is going to make it work. It's, it's strange, isn't it? So why does Luke mention them first? First people to see Jesus were women. And do you know why? Because that's what happened. They were there at dawn. The men weren't. It's a fact. It's a true account of what happened. The women went there, fulfilled the, the burial rites and, and put the, the oil and, and the perfume on Jesus' body. They were the first to see him. Next slide, please, Peter. Luke 24 says this. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the angel said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. So Jesus tells the disciples the same thing a short while later. But here's the angels telling the women. Didn't he tell you? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Isn't it funny? We need proof, don't we, all the time. We're called to live by faith, but really we want proof of everything. We want proof of what happened. The truth is, it happened. The truth is, Jesus is alive today. The truth is, Jesus is sitting on the throne of heaven next to his Father. That is true today. The truth is, Jesus is praying for you today. That is what is actually happening today. He told Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. I am it. But so much of Jesus' sayings we struggle to understand fully. When he told them, I will send you the Holy Spirit, they didn't understand. And they had to experience it for themselves in that upper room to understand what was going to happen. The thing is, after Jesus rose from the dead, life didn't suddenly change for the disciples. They were still living in a brutal country with a brutal regime. They were still being hunted for their faith. Paul was about to come on the scene and hunt them down. Life was not any easier for them. But they knew the fact that Jesus had risen. And the resurrection was not preached in the early church as a symbolic representation as we tend to do it today. You know, of the wonderful spiritual, like, we must always keep hope. When they said he is risen, it was said as a bare, terribly irritating paradigm, shattering, horribly inconvenient, but impossible to dismiss fact. They said, he's risen. And he's risen indeed. It was a, a response of amazement, but truth. They'd seen him. Over 500 people saw him. 
they saw him alive again. And then I went to Paul's writings in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And he says this, For what I received I passed on to you as of the first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Isn't it funny? Jesus keeps taking them back to the Scriptures. Paul keeps taking them back to Scripture. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. But then in this chapter, he goes on to say a few things. He says this twice. If Christ has not been raised, he says in verse 14 and 17, if Christ has not been raised, then he says, our preaching's in vain. We're despicable liars. Our faith is vain. We're still in our sins. Dead Christians will have perished. We're to be pitied more than all men. Paul writes this as if Christ has not been raised. That's what we're like. But the truth is, he was raised. The truth is, he is alive today. The truth is, he is challenging all of us in the way we live our lives. But what convinced them? What convinced those early disciples, those 500, that he was alive? Jesus did. He appeared to them. You see, those early women, when they discovered his body was missing, they said, um, They've taken, we don't know where, they've put his body. They thought somebody just stolen the body and shoved it somewhere. They didn't understand what resurrection was going to happen and, and how life was going to be so different from them after that. Those early disciples were the worst at believing. You know, the... The high priests and the Pharisees had more faith than the early disciples. They went to the room and said, listen, there's a rumor going around. He might, he, might, he might raise himself from the dead. Can we put a guard over the tomb, please? So they were worrying about it. But the disciples thought that was the end. You cannot stop the power of God from doing what God wants to do. And the thing is, um, he tells us to go and tell. First thing he told those women, go and tell the disciples. A challenge is to go and tell. There's a Greek philosopher called Aristides in AD 125, and he wrote this. If any righteous man among the Christians passes from this world, they rejoice and offer thanks to God. And then they escort his body with songs and thanksgiving as if he were setting out from one place to another nearby. The early church, when somebody died, they celebrated because they knew that they were going to be resurrected with Jesus. 
that body was dead, but he was coming alive again. And there's no sense of the, you know, the black ties and the mourning and the sadness that we, we tend to do today. Yeah, of course, we, when somebody dies, we miss them, and that's sad. But if they die in faith, they're, they're risen with Jesus. And this Easter story is all about the resurrection of Jesus and our resurrection as well. The challenge is, how good are we at living that out? I told you recently, Trish and I went to Egypt. We went to the Valley of the Kings, and we went down into the tombs, Tutankhamun's tomb, and, and we saw about four other tombs. And each one of them, it was very interesting, and the guy told us, as soon as somebody became pharaoh, as soon as he became king, they started preparing his burial. They started preparing his tomb. They started putting gold and, and possessions in there for the afterlife. They were more concerned about the afterlife than they were about the life the Pharaoh was living. They were preparing for eternity. Now, they got it all wrong. Okay, they, you know, they put chariots and they put tables and chairs and gold in there. They, they got it all wrong. But their philosophy was eternal life goes on. We must prepare for that. And I don't think we're very good at that. What does Matthew 6 teach us? Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And we tend to store up treasures in our pension fund for old life. But Jesus challenged them and said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. We're going to start a new series after Easter on the... Um, on the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to take a whole term over it, looking at the, the manifesto of Jesus as how we're to live our lives. And it's all about our character. Sermon on the Mount is all about our character and how we live. And we're going to look at that after Easter. But the whole point is, when we know that Jesus was resurrected from the dead, we know that we are resurrected. We're living in resurrected bodies. We don't, we don't see the eternity yet, but it's coming. I wonder how, how Jesus looks at us today. I wonder, he says, what's my church doing? How are they getting my word out to the world? How are they, how are they taking what I did out into this hurting world? My fear is we've become too inward-looking and we've been, we've been locked into building. We've said this for years, the church needs to get out of the building. I think the church just, you mean get out into the building, just needs to get out to your neighbor's house and let them see the light living in you. Um, so I've started reading the, the Sermon on the Mount because of the series coming up. And when the first thing Jesus tells him, he said, you're the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. And he told a bunch of novices. They were young believers in their first year of following Jesus. And he said to them, you are the salt, you are the light. He's telling them, you're the answer. These rough fishermen in their early 20s, probably late teens, says, you're the light. You are the salt. 
but you're going to need to make a difference. So I want to say to you this morning, you are the salt, you are the light. That's how Jesus calls you. It's no good unless we don't do something with it in our lives. I'm going to take communion together to finish this this morning. And one of the songs we sung the on Good Friday said, how great the chasm between us. Before Jesus' death, there was a chasm that couldn't be overcome between God and us. And in what Jesus did, that chasm was overcome and that relationship with our Father was restored. Remember the story of the prodigal son in Matthew in Luke 15, the moment he turned back towards his father, his father saw him a long way off. I've seen him a couple of miles down the road, and he saw someone walking towards him. And the father didn't wait, says the father ran to greet him. And when he reached his son, it says he kissed his neck. Well, actually, it says he kissed and kissed and kissed and kissed and kissed and kissed and kissed his neck. So thrilled was the father to see that gap closed. Sorry. Yeah. The resurrection is about God reaching out to you. It's about God reaching out to you, say, come on back. Let's start this relationship again. Let's develop this relationship. Let me turn you into a disciple of mine. Let me fill you with my Holy Spirit and teach you how to, how to use the gifts that I've given you to make a difference in this world. Trace, you're going to pray. I wonder if we can just close our eyes a minute. I just want you to imagine that instead of that being the Father, that is Jesus. And it says, and when the young man was a long way off, and I wonder where you'd put yourself this morning. Are you mile, Do you feel miles away? Do you feel Jesus is a long way off from you? Or do you feel he's very close? There's many reasons why maybe you might feel he's a long way off. First of all, is actually you've never really bothered about it. Or somehow you have, you just think, how do I get closer to Jesus? Well, as Malchus explained again today, it's about relationship. It simply starts with, Lord, I believe I want to know you. I want to come closer to you. Will you help me? And it says that the Father draws near to us as we draw near to him. He just wants this. Okay, God, please show me. How do I get to know you better? And that's all he wants. That's all it takes. And he'll say, okay, I'm going to reveal myself to you and show yourself. Me to be real to you in every way. It starts with that wanting to turn around from where you are, what you've been doing, thinking, well, I've tried to do this myself. 
And to be honest, I'm not doing so well. And actually, I need you, Jesus. Will you help me? So whilst the father was a long way off, he ran to kiss him. So as you visualize this morning, Jesus, whatever that looks like for you, however he is, he's standing there and he's coming towards you. It just takes that moment to receive him and say, yes, Lord, I believe. Let me pray. Father God, this morning we thank you that we can celebrate the risen Christ. We thank you, Lord, that it's your will that not one person perishes, but that they all come to know you for themselves. They come into this relationship that you are offering, the reconciliation, the peace, to receive forgiveness and a life in you. And as we think about your blood and we think about your body here that was broken for us, we take these elements as a token and as a sign, Lord, of your covenant with us. And we do it joyfully. And we do it till you come again. For you surely will. And we do that with anticipation of hope in Jesus' name. Amen.